0: Welcome to Upfront Den Under. I'm Chloe Morgan, and I'm Rachel Sullivan. And then
1: there were four. England are through to another World Cup semi-final, and Alessia Russo was the hero on this occasion. At the Lionesses managed to see off a very competitive Colombia side. The Matildas await after they won a penalty shootout for the ages, while Spain and Sweden completed the lineup yesterday. Today, I mean tonight, I mean this morning, I mean, what time is it? It's quarter to two uh over in uh where am I? Sydney. With me and Rachel both been at the stadium. It's been absolute carnage. It's been one of the better games, I think, that we've seen England in. Obviously, we walked away with the win, taking us through to the semi-finals. It was 2-1 this evening. Santos in the 44th minute with the first goal, which looked Scary as fuck, not going to lie, absolutely scary as fuck. And then Hemp coming back with the equaliser just before halftime in the extra time of the first half in the 45 plus six 6th minute. I mean, Rach, talk me through your thoughts and feelings in the first half. What we saw was a, a sort of a formation, the player selection that had returned pretty much back to the sort of China days. Um, a sort of three at the back with, you know, Bronze and Daly on the wings. Uh, pressing up front, we had Alessio Russo and also Hemp. Um, we looked quite solid. I think the biggest threat for me seemed to be Linda Caicedo on the left-hand side against Jess Carter. I think sometimes she was caught out, but that don't get me wrong, I think Jess Carter had, did have ended up having quite a decent game, but I think there was a couple of times I was thinking, is Caicedo going to outpace Carter and this is where the, the attack's going to
0: come from? But Rach, what were your thoughts? First half, what, what are you thinking, apart from the elation? Well... I think the Caieteo thing on the left-hand side was more to do with Lucy Bronze get it being so high and Pushing Jess Carter up. having to cover for that, yeah. Um, so I actually think it was probably more to do with that. I think um, Lucy lost the ball a couple of times, but overall, I think this formation worked better in this game than it did in the last game against Nigeria. I thought Walsh was better. Um, you know, I did wonder if we were going to see some changes. Obviously, Toon came in. Um, didn't have the best game I thought Lauren Hemp was excellent I thought um, they really struggled to handle her I thought she was player of the match I know Lesley obviously got the winning goal but I thought Lauren Hemp really did a job I thought she did she managed to kind of be wide but also be direct like during the game I think in the China game she was really direct in the Nigeria game she was far too wide because they weren't getting any ball through the middle and I think she kind of managed to balance the two of those things um Mm -hmm. in this game and I think yeah the Columbia um backline really struggled to deal with her so I thought in the first half they did well and it felt like the goal kind of came a little bit against the run of play um and what a goal it was like I don't know about you do you think that was a goal like was Mary Earps in the wrong to be kind of get her angles wrong for it to be able to float over her like that what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think she received quite a
1: lot of criticism for it. And I, when I was looking at it, because I couldn't quite work out whether it was a fluky ass shot or whether it was a cross. And like, she got some backspin on the ball, which to me that it was supposed to be more of a cross than a than a shot. Um, and I think Mary, even though I mean she wasn't that far off her line, she was about half a meter off her line. And I think um, obviously she'd backpedaled, and she was at the highest point of her jump. And I think it was just the the the, the kind of unfortunateness of the trajectory of the ball is that it sort of hit peak at the top of a jump and then sort of dipped down into the goal. So I don't actually think that was a big error. Um, but everyone sort of was sort of saying, oh, OK, well, you know, it's an error of the tournament. And then I'd I'd been absolutely raving in the game previously, Australia, France, and we'll go and talk about that in a second, about the amazing... Um, you know, French goalkeeping display that we've just seen. And then I go on to this game, and everyone's like, oh, okay, well, you've got M- Erps making the error. And then at the other end, a couple of minutes later, you've got Perez um, slipping up and obviously like spilling the ball as well. And everyone was like, oh God, well, look, we've had two massive goalkeeping errors. And I was like, that's not what's happened at all. Like, and also like, just take a minute, okay? It's a very highly pressurised game. Like everyone, you know, it's like, just, just, you know, come on. The Columbia fans giving it absolute beans in the crowd. The stadium, the atmosphere, it was just like a sea of yellow shirts. I was in the press pit. There was um, Colombian fans throwing yellow balloons down into the press pit. as like top banter, which I thought, you know, great. And also, in the FIFA media press room, they were serving empanadas em, on yellow Empe- napkins.
0: Yeah. Oh, and jam and cream and scones. scones. Yeah, well... They went yeah, around as well. I, they were not, I did not it, the best. They were but you know there was a nod when it's
1: like yeah when it's late at night and you kind of cover three different games it 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 helped a bit of sugar and spice but yeah i think um i've got to agree with you i think in the first half like i think we were dominant i think there was a part of me that felt quite calm in this game um i felt like the goal was coming and the 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 columbia goal was completely against the run of play and i thought okay if we get one back before half time i'll get back into feeling quite calm again against it and we and we did. It wasn't a really unfortunate Perez error. Obviously, then um, Hemp followed it up. Tenacious uh, in getting that Loves a tall up. poke. Think, yeah. A- it England was, um, fucking love a tall poke. Well, I thought it was going to be Russo because she was there in and around the keeper. And then, like, Hemp just bombs out of nowhere. She's like, no, Russo. This is my bloody goal. Um, and then when they went into half-time, obviously, that completely changes the atmosphere. All they've got to do is obviously get the goal back or get another goal. And then it's and it's for the win. And I think... We did deserve it. I mean, the Nigeria game, I can't say with confidence that we deserved that win, but this game, I feel like we deserved it. It wasn't the most amazing game that we ever had, but I do feel like there's an upward trajectory of our performances.
0: I'll tell you what I didn't enjoy. The last 10 minutes plus extra time. This, like, I understand game management, but my God, Mm. like, I just feel like England are better than trying to just delay, delay, delay. Like, they were literally up Colombia's end of the pitch and could have tried to score a goal. But no, they were like, no, we're going to fanny around to the corner with the ball, lose possession over and over. It is the most stressful thing to watch. And I'm sure, like, it's all part of football and game management, but I just (laughs) fucking hate time wasting. I hate it, especially when they do it so early and think, oh, 10 minutes. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to have eight minutes of extra time. You're like, oh my God, it's basically 20 minutes. Like, that's nearly a third of the game that you're just like, not a third of the game, but like, you're just playing around with the ball. like You're just like, just like you're good enough to just go and attack, or like you know, not just just I can't be dealing with this stress. I get like heartburn. Like I came out of the fucking game and my heart was absolutely racing because I have to deal with this stupid extra time bullshit. The Euros was bad enough. Stop it. That's what I'm saying. Wow. Stop it.
1: But for me, I felt quite calm about it. I thought oh, that as soon as we got God that almighty. goal for half time, I was like, I was like fairly chill. Um, and then obviously, I mean Russo. Not really been finding her scoring form. Uh, has only scored one goal previously in the tournament. And then what I found quite frustrating in this game, even so, is that we could have had the the game wrapped up fairly early on had it been for a couple of like better targeted headers headers from Russo and Daly. The worst thing was that they were both getting into like incredible areas, doing these incredible leaps, getting on the end of these deliveries that were being whipped in, and then just heading it straight at Perez. And I was like. All you have to do is find a space that Perez isn't in and aim for that space. Um, and I find that really frustrating. And obviously, like then, then you get Russo with the ball at her feet and then she converts the chance. And weirdly enough, there was there was a sort of a lack of almost tenacity in that goal because Stanway had slipped the ball through for Russo to run onto. It kind of got caught a little bit under her feet. And because of that, she then, for a split second, didn't go after the ball and then went after the ball and then... Slotted it past Perez. And then following that, I mean, the drama continued because then Perez seemed to get something in her eye. She was then subbed off. You had a 20-year-old replacement keeper coming in, making her first international debut. And this is like, I mean, Perez, after making the slip, not saving this goal, getting an eye issue. And then it, it just sort of, I, I think... Yeah, I felt really sorry for her because Perez had also had an unbelievable tournament. I mean, she was second in the goalkeeper stats for for saves behind Mary Upps before this tournament. Um, she was on ninety two percent of the saves, and Mary Upps on a hundred percent. So, yeah, this was a, a bit of a goalkeeper matchup as well. And um, I think Perez has had, yeah, it, it was it was a bad game. It was a it was a fuck no, up for sure.
0: No, but I also think Colombia like can go out of that game with their heads held high. Like it's one of those kind of just both sides going for it. I feel like Colombia were just going for it more and that's maybe something that's maybe ever so slightly lacking in England's performances sometimes is that absolute gunning for it and I think sometimes England like to take the pace out of the game and I think Mm -hmm. they're actually at their flowing best when they're playing quickly like that first half against Denmark that match against China when they're playing quick passes and and they give the opposition very little time to actually almost like they're chasing shadows and I think England sometimes in these high pressure moments take the speed out of the game and that's when it gets nervy for us because it almost takes the pace away and it feels like they're not kind of gunning for it, which is what I felt like Colombia were doing, particularly in the last 10 minutes plus injury time. They were throwing everything in the kitchen sink at it. And, you know, at the end of the match, much like Nigeria, seeing the players come together, seeing the England players go over to the Colombia players and kind of really like pat on the back, hand on the shoulder, a real kind of respect and acknowledgement that this was a battle that the two of them had gone through. Mm. And, you know, as I think it was Sophie tweeted, like, unfortunately in sport there always has to be winners and losers and like you see the, your Nigerias your Colombias having an unreal tournament you know and to have to see them go and they're so sad and they're heartbroken and um it just felt like yeah it was a real like real battle out there today um and it was sad to see the Colombians so sad their fans have been amazing the passion that they sing their anthem the kind of this this speed and kind of intensity in the way they play they've been um a joy to watch this tournament they really have like it was annoying actually to kind of see
1: the the passion and excitement that they were bringing from the very first minute. I mean, I have never seen a national anthem sung with so much vigor. It was insane. The entire when that goal went in, the entire stadium exploded. Like there was no roof on the stadium, so like it would have taken the bloody well. roof off. Like just as it was just trumpets going off like they are like colombian music playing it was like a festival in there there's a sea of yellow shirts everywhere it was um yeah it was absolutely brilliant but yeah obviously it's come it's come a it's an end to the colombian tournament and now we have the three european teams in the semi-finals england sweden and spain and then obviously we take on australia on wednesday which is going to be one hell of
0: a matchup yes rage go on go on i also do think it's worth mentioning the fact that Lauren James only got a two game ban for her red card which I was not disappointed in but I think Mm -hmm. she should have gotten three and I think based off the red card um, for the Nigeria player in the first game that was upgraded to a three game ban and that was in tackle that was kind of a reckless challenge but she was going for the ball I was really surprised that Lauren James only got the two match ban Um, I thought she was going to get three and should have got three. So should England progress, which is going to be a bloody hard job, should they progress to the final, she will be back for that. Which is amazing. But yeah, I've got to agree with you. Uh, There doesn't seem to be a lot of
1: understanding or clarity around why that decision was made for one player and and not the other. Maybe perhaps FIFA took into account, obviously, the apology and also the fact that I think it, it looked as if maybe... Lauren James had spoken to Alozi behind the scenes because there was some kind of understanding that Alozi seemed to be at peace with what had happened. So it's I can only assume I'm... it's it's not good enough. Yeah, it's not good enough. But... It shouldn't
0: come into the it shouldn't come into the 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 decision. The decision's based on what happened on the pitch. Oh, and, for sure. And I just don't think. Yeah, I was just quite surprised by that. But you know, that will be if England get through. And like I said, it's gonna be hard because. That Australia-France game. Like, we just can't seem to have a normal 90 minutes of football in this tournament anymore. And that's, look, it's fine. It's very exciting. When you're covering it, it's quite stressful. Um, It's quite disgusting. Yeah. We, I don't know about you, but like I was up in the press box during the penalty shootout. So we'd watched the first half of the Australia-France game. I'm guessing that's where we're going next. And uh, watched it in the, the bar right next to the stadium, which is full of England fans, full of Australian fans. And over to the right of that bar, there was a big like kind of park right next to it where they put up another screen. And the place was absolutely rammed. And you could the bar was kind of down a, a dip a little bit. And you looked up and everyone was just surrounding the... the the park surrounding the Mm -hmm. bar looking at these big screens it was incredible the amount of people and like you can attest to this Chloe this stadium is not like Central Sydney this is like Mm -hmm. a 25-30 minute drive from Sydney all of these people were out watching the match then we went up got ourselves settled in the press room go up to the press rooms but penalties are on and I'm like it's cool I'll watch the penalties I'll go down I'll have like 40 minutes or whatever before kick off no these penalties went on for fucking ages and I was like do you know what actually I've loads of pictures of England of the England team walking out I want to see what the hell happens in these penalties and the press room was so tense watching these every time you think it's won it's not it's saved oh my god like it was such a kind of up and down and up and down oh my god and that was before our game even started it was a lot it was
1: a lot it was a lot to kind of get yourself out of that space and then go and step into england and be like oh well hopefully this game's going to be a lot less calm than the other game of course it absolutely bloody wasn't but i think just before we get on to those penalties one of the things that i kind of like flagged in this particular game was again vegan's use of substitutes because there was no substitutes until like the last 10 11 12 minutes to kill of the game time. and it just felt like Okay, I think you need to inject something new into the dynamic to make sure that we're not getting too stale here. We can't rest on our laurels. We're only 2-1 up at this point. Columbia, like you said, are absolutely, you know, going hell for leather, throwing the kitchen sink at trying to find the equalizer. And it just felt like we were waiting for something to happen. And then eventually, um, Chloe Kelly came on, come on for uh, Risa for in the 80th minute. And then we eventually see Beth England come on for for hemp. But to me, it just felt like,
0: where were those substitutes? Like, it just... I, what, what are you doing? It felt like she brought them on to kill time. Like, Chloe Kelly is the queen of time-wasting. We saw that in the Euros. And Beth England is very good at holding up the ball. She is. And I think England... Did they shift to a 4-4-2 towards the end there? Did they kind of bank up and... Oh, look, kind i talked of. about the stress. But I'm getting stressed even just thinking about it. I just... I hate <laughs> it. I hate watching, like, the clock slowly count down. Like... Just try and score a goal. Just play the football. I just can't. I can't be dealing, Chloe. I'm going to have nightmares about this. Okay.
1: All right. I'll tell you what. We've covered it. We've done it. We're through to the semi-finals. Okay. Let's move yeah. on. Okay. Because like you this said- This wasn't there was at all. A pre-England tasty <laughs> fixture going on and this was the one that was occupying the entire press but we've been allowed into the the media center like hours earlier than normal because everyone wanted to go and watch this game and obviously there were so many Aussie journalists in the press pack as well so the game itself very evenly matched like you cannot pick the teams apart possession wise France had 49% Australia had 51% pass completion rate both in the 70s I mean shots on target one at 11 one had 12 you had um, pass accuracy again same thing you just you couldn't pick the teams that you were like either either one of these teams deserved to win it and I can't call either way they both had incredible chances the French goalkeeper oh I mean Rach talk to me because goalkeepers and I, I feel like I'm being biased saying it obviously I've got a bit of a background I've got a history of goalkeeping but Rach what did you think of the goalkeeping in this game because your objective. You'll, you'll provide an objective view on this.
0: Peru Manning always stresses me out because she always just looks... <laughs> she wants to be so involved in everything. Even She's when the chaotic. ball is up, like, the other end of the pitch, she is bouncing around the fucking goal line. Like, she just seems like, I don't know, it reminds me of, like, a fly just, like, buzzing around constantly in her goal. Um, I thought, like, the decision to take her off when they, they were, like, com- fairly confident they were going to penalties was such a massive risk, right? But equally, obviously this keeper that came on is obviously a penalty pro. And to be fair to her, she did go the way of most of the penalties. She so, did and I'm pretty and sure she had them on two. her bottle or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, just to add to the like madness of it all, Gustavson has uh Macca, Mackenzie Arnold, take one of the like first five penalties which just blew my mind cuz in like in what team would you have your goalkeeper in your first five? And this she is, missed it. At, and at then she point, took to go in and save another one. It that that was the most bizarre
1: decision cuz I was like if if you don't now win this penalty shootout, everything for every every single person is going to smash home criticism on Mackenzie Arnold for doing that because it just there was no need for that to take place. There was no need for her to step up when you've got five adequate outfield players ready who would have taken penalties, who would have been there in training to do that. It makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. Like, fine, you're at the end. You're, you, that's the 11th player. But then she missed.
0: And it was like... It and then was she like used to go stand on goal the goal pick. line. Yeah. Is- and then she used to go and try and save one, having just done that and being like, fuck, like, if I am don't save this one. I just... Oh my god I just thought some of the decisions we were all in the press box being like is he is this are they actually and then when he brought on the sub keeper, Erwin-Grenard France nearly feckin conceded <laughs> like you have brought this chick on for no reason like it was just the amount of risks being taken Chloe and I'm not even like you know I didn't really know who I wanted to win because I was like Australia obviously hosts great to get far in the tournament but equally should England progress then they'd have like 75,000 people basically against them should France win, boo France. But then you're like, but then maybe the Australian fans be like, well, we don't like France now either. So actually if England progress, we're going to back England. So you're like, I don't really know in which situation, what was the best (laughs) situation. But I suddenly felt very invested in both teams going through for some reason. And it was just the most like ridiculous fashion that this game ended. And it's another team that has had to play 120 minutes.
1: Well I thought penalty shootouts weren't going to get much spicier than the USA v Sweden and then this game was like hold my hold fucking my beer. beer hold yeah. my fucking beer um 20 penalties were taken we had oh, one keeper <laughs> we had one keeper miss a penalty despite not having to do that penalty in the first place we had a keeper then we had Mackenzie Arnold then have to re- save twice a penalty from, from Kenza, Kenza Dali. Darley Oh my god. Who gosh. you would have put pretty good money on scoring the first time, but definitely probably a house on scoring the second time, um, we had a VAR decision. Uh, and it just we had a keeper who was coming on Durand, uh, who came in from Montpellier, and Jen Beattie was basically saying that she's um a penalty specialist. She's pl- like played with her. She knows about her. And I was like, I'm not. I don't really know too much about her, but she did say two penalties, absolute worldies. There was some shit penalties that took place, and also some incredible ones. And like, it was just. It was just like, when is this gonna end? When is this gonna end? It was.
0: Are we gonna beautiful. miss some of the England game uh, because you know we need to? Honestly, <laughs> and we had we had one TV ahead of the other TV, and it was the same in the bloody uh, bar. The the park next to us had their TV be ahead of the other TV, and it was like it was like an echo because you'd kind of find out what was gonna happen before it happened. Like I to try and get this across to our listeners, the way this country has become so absorbed with the tournament, is incredible. The scenes mm. around the fan parks in Australia are unreal. There were 75,000 people at England versus Colombia. That's not even a host country. Like, that's bonkers. There was 49,500 or whatever in Brisbane. The same number bloody turned up to see England-Haiti. Like, the numbers coming to this game, you have all of these people out in the fan parks. Like, they're absolutely busting with people watching these games 4 degrees in Melbourne at 10 o'clock on a Monday night and they're out watching watching these games it's just it gives you goosebumps seeing the way people have and so part of me then is like actually Australia going through just like it's gonna be a really hard game and to be fair England got a flavor of it tonight with a pretty like most of that 75,000 were back in Colombia so at least oh, it's prepped them a bit for that um, I'd say 73,000 fans were yeah, Colombians yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> So it's like the atmosphere is going to be unreal. And I think back to Canada 2015 when England faced Canada in Vancouver in BC mm-hmm. place in the quarterfinals, 54,000 people in that stadium, primarily Canadians, and England won 2-1. So I'm, I'm hanging on to that memory because when they play them again in the, uh, the Olympic Stadium, it's going to be some game, some atmosphere.
1: I think for me, the Lionesses every single game have faced some kind of adversity. Whether they've gone into the first game under the guise of the sort of the issues that are going on with the FA bonuses with the goalkeeper shirts, with Lauren James's red card, with Kira Walsh's injury, with a change of formation, with not trying to fight or not being able to find the back of the net, to then going to find the back of the net, to then going into a game where you concede for the first time and having to, you know, redo a kind of like... It was almost like a um, the Euro-Spain quarterfinal throwback, um, having to go down and then find that kind of like inner strength to like get back into the game very quickly. And then this game now... I mean, in terms of sort of quarterfinal, uh, sorry, semi final matchups, you're going against the host country. And you know, the whole of the stadium, bar 10 fans, are going to be wanting Australia to progress through to the final. Um, but I do think this Columbia game was a kind of like lead up into that situation because they didn't seem, I've got to say, England did not seem phased as by the Colombian noise that was going on. And the the noise was from the very outset. The minute the The England players touched the ball, the booing, the whistles, like the jeering, it was like throughout the entire time. And I don't think the Australia fans are that way inclined as much, but they will give absolute beans at that game. So I do think this has helped England manage the out the external noise that will be going on but i mean it's just another game that they'll be facing that additional factor of adversity and whilst the games that we've had so far have been scrappy they've been a bit ugly we've not played our best we've not been at absolute full capacity we've got through it so there's like a determination this year it's not the fancy stuff of the euros the euros felt a bit more kind of like positive happy-go-lucky like yeah like you know we're the wily ones this year it just feels like gritty and like just get through it type vibes, like wading
0: through concrete but still getting it done. But nobody's stood out really. No one no one has had a perfect tournament. Like you look at these final four and you know, Australia lost a match, Australia just beat Ireland, um, Spain got battered by Japan. Um, they <laughs> yeah. just got pa- just got past the Netherlands. Um, if Lynette Bierenstein had actually put her shooting boots on, it'd be a different oh story. My God. Um she had more chances than Spain put together um you know Sweden were really poor against the USA they didn't have an amazing group stage Mm -hmm. and and still all of these here they are all of these countries in the semi-finals they've managed to get themselves through those difficult situations even when you're not playing your best um and and that's also a testament to the other teams in the tournament it's just Mm. been no one has had an easy ride I agree. And I think everyone thought, OK, well,
1: you know, we've got we've had Nigeria, we've had Haiti, we've had Colombia. Like, did we have the easy route? I'd argue we had one of the hardest routes because the style of play of these teams, the standard that they're at, and also the fact that we haven't come across these in competitions at this level before. I mean, Haiti is a bit of an unknown quantity. Someone like Colombia, no one was expecting to progress and to meet them in the, semif- in the quarterfinals. So... I wouldn't say that we've had an easier route than actually facing the USA, who we probably have a lot more data on, a lot more knowledge on, a lot more tactics and strategy on. And like, no, no routes have been easy. No routes have been easy. And like you said, like, yeah, there have been complete inconsistencies across the across the top four or five, 10 teams in, in the tournament, with a lot of them going out in the group stages. So, wild. Right, let's round up the other quarterfinals that have happened. A huge shock for all of us. Sweden beat. I think I, I, I think it's fair to say many people's tournament favourites, Japan. Two one. I personally didn't see this coming. I thought Japan, after completely tearing Spain a new one, were going to progress and go into the final. And it was going. That was all wrapped up. That was a, that was a, that was a done deal. But Sweden brought the game to Japan in the absolutely most tastiest manner. I mean, Rach, what are your thoughts on this game? What happened to Japan? Because they just did not, for love nor money, seem to be able to find the back of the net. Despite a penalty, despite a worldy free kick, despite multiple chances. I mean, it doesn't help that Musovic had the absolute game of her life. Game after game in this tournament, she's been absolutely outstanding. But I mean, to continue that consistency is incredible. But yeah, what were your thoughts?
0: Um, I think when we were talking about teams that had had good tournaments Japan was one of the few teams who had looked good all the way through the tournament um, and I think that was probably why you know you're looking at how Japan had gotten to where to the quarterfinals and how Sweden had gotten there and Sweden had scraped through their round of 16 and you thought if Sweden play like that and Japan play like they've been playing Japan are going to win the game Um Gerhardsen, the Swedish manager, said that we have a plan for Japan, which of course they did. Um, But what I thought was really, I kind of wonder whether part of it was mind games because I remember Ericsson came out and said, like, you know, we like to defend. We know we're going to have to defend and we like to defend. And I wonder whether Japan thought they were going to kind of maybe park the bus and that they would have an awful lot more possession. Um, And what actually happened is Sweden came out and went at them and they absolutely dominated the midfield area Mm -hmm. uh, on the pitch. They were just... They were just more physical than the Japanese. Like Japan just couldn't handle the speed and the strength of the Swedish at uh, Swedes. And and they were, you know, they were attacking the goal early. black Blackstenius should have had backed a couple of goals. Um, like how they hadn't didn't score more in the first half. Um, but they fully deserved to go in at halftime, uh, two goals up. Um, it got a little bit shaky in the last kind of 10, 15 minutes. Japan got one back. Um, it just felt a little bit too little, too late, and and even after they scored that one goal and got that one goal back it panned to the J- Japanese bench the players on the bench in tears like it felt like they'd already thought like the game's yeah. gone um, but it, Sweden just looked uh, a little bit shaky towards the end there I they think they were trying to see the game out in a similar way to England um, and yeah I just yeah fully deserved. like I've seen some people say like oh this isn't like It isn't that different a team. And yeah, I know the the players are the same, but the the difference between the performance against the USA and the performance against Japan are worlds apart. And what a time for Sweden to find that form. Well, it's
1: that. But then you look at the sort of the difference between Japan beating Spain 4-0 and then coming into this game, and that feels like worlds apart as well. That doesn't look like the same confident kind of like, you know, robust Japanese efficient side that we have seen like previously in the tournament and I think that that's that is just the overarching thing isn't it just the inconsistency in it in it and I yeah I would have put absolute money on Japan making a final and now maybe it looks like Sweden. I know we, we shouldn't go back to the analogy of like, you know, who's the, the front horse in the race and who's going to eventually win the Grand National. But it's literally gone like Spain, Germany. Oh, Germany have dropped out. Brazil. Brazil have gone. Spain. No, not too sure. Japan. Japan. Oh, they've gone. Sweden? Sweden. Netherlands. <laughs> nope. Oh, maybe England has been pacing along, not doing much, kind of having a bit of a shitty horse. And then all of a sudden, is <laughs> England in the final? Who knows? Or oh, maybe it's Australia. Australia. All of, all of the fans are... It's like... <laughs> I couldn't tell you who's going to win the World Cup. I don't even have a clue. No sure. idea. I, Not, not a, a fucking clue. Not a fucking... Who do you think is not going to win the World Cup?
0: I don't
1: know. I genuinely don't know. Is that an easier question? Probably not. No. no.
0: Oh, I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm going to put my flagpole... And that's our analysis. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> Someone I'm said that to me. Book. They were like, where's the flagpole? I was like, the flagpole's out the fucking window. I don't know what I'm doing with it. Like, I've just gotten rid of it now. <laughs> I'm gonna say Spain for the win.
1: Yeah, Spain for their first ever World Cup, I think, are gonna win. The first time they've even progressed further in the quarterfinals, and I think they're actually gonna take home the World Cup trophy. So I said this in I was literally in the car home like 20 minutes ago. I was like that Spanish squad, the talent on that side, I was like, I could manage Spain. And they are doing an incredible job because it's just, you, you can't get away from that level of talent. Like they're not doing a Norway where you've got all this talent and then your manager's absolutely, well, she's quite shit. And like, they should be producing stuff. They're just producing despite the fact that their manager is a bit of an arsehole, actually.
0: But I, I credit sure. to them. Um, but like Netherlands should have won that game yesterday. Mm. So like, this is the thing is that and look, maybe they'll produce it at the right time. But like, you know, I just think ugh, the Netherlands had so many opportunities to put that ball in the back of the net. And they didn't do it. Um, and I think Spain were lucky. Um, but yeah, there was a really interesting video that went around. I don't know if you saw it, where all of the players were like celebrating and hugging and <laughs> Jorge Viltup was just, you know, that John Travolta gif from Pulp Fiction, where he's like standing in the living room, just kind of like looking right. to the left and looking to the right, like. And it was a bit like that Jorge Vilda was just like, anyone? Does anyone want to celebrate (laughs) with me? No? Oh, no, you're running past to celebrate with someone else. Okay, I'll just stand here on my own. And I was just like, that just sums up like those players again. It feels like they're just doing it in spite of (laughs) everything that's going on.
1: It does feel like it's going to be a really awkward ceremony. Like Jorge Vilda going up to collect his medal. I don't know how the reaction of the players will be watching that. Um, Yeah, I just... But yeah, I do think Spain. So if I, I'm gonna put my flagpole in the sand, I'm gonna say Spain. Rachel, you saying? I don't know.
0: No, like, I, li- I genuinely just not do
1: not know. Good enough to the listeners to sit on the fence like that. You're better than that. Come on. Fuck it, Sweden. Why not? Just for the crack like oh, what, fucking, what fucking shit choice that is. I mean, there's four
0: really. Oh, do you know? What? You're
1: entitled to your opinion. Look, you alright? can't
0: insist that I pick someone and then piss- get pissed that I've picked someone that you didn't want me to pick. I'm not pissed. I just think it's a bad choice. I just like that's well, on you. I think yours alright? is a bad choice. And you How watch; it's going possibly- to come from the other side of the bloody round, the, the other side of the draw, and we're both wow, wrong. That's going to be Australia,
1: isn't it? For fuck's sake! <laughs> it um, is, I yeah. didn't think. <laughs> Spain actually played that badly against the Netherlands. Like, I was quite impressed with, like, some of the passages of play. And also, let's give a fucking massive shout-out to Paraluelo, teenager, bringing it home for Spain in, like, the, what was it, the 110th minute, scoring yeah, the most important goal. goal of, I mean, she brought it all the way from the midfield. Pretty much a solo effort, taking it onto the edge of the botch, onto her left foot, absolutely worldly of a strike, absolutely no chance of saving it. It was absolutely un real. But can we also talk about the drama that unfolded with Van de Graaf? (laughs) Because this is not a young player. This is a player who has literally announced her retirement. This is going to be the last game that she was going to ever play and her legacy to the world of Dutch football was going to be a what was the most obvious, blatant handball. I mean, her body was outside the box but her arm, literally, as soon as she saw the ball whip across, she just stuck her arm out like a save. It was bizarre, absolutely bizarre. And then she almost got away. But her it, goal and was went, amazing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was like, credit to you. Like, obviously, she's in defense. She's then gone from defense. Like, he's I mean, that was the weirdness of it. She conceded that penalty. She's probably thinking, Fucking hell, last game that I'm ever gonna play, I've conceded this shitty little penalty. She's then chucked up top, and I'm like, all right, cool, random, but why the fuck not? It's a World Cup. And then She scores an absolute screamer for about 10, 15 yards outside the box. And like the smile on her face, I mean, like completely redeemed herself in a matter of moments. I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. Like credit to her finishing on that, but she couldn't have done much more. And then by the time she'd gone off, like the game was kind of already wrapped up. But yeah, that was wild. And then even like in the last dire minute before she was taken off, it hit her shin and deflected off into the keeper, and I was like,
0: "Mate, just stay away from the ball. Just oh stay my away, God. from it. it's not get it. her off." Like she's, <laughs> she just wants to be involved in all the goals. Like it was like enough <laughs> now, Vandergraat. I know you're you're retiring, but Jesus, you don't need to give Be involved in everybody's goals, for God's sake. You're just greedy now. Get off, all
1: right? Your retirement's <laughs> get off. due. Everyone wants to give you some flowers and send you off, all right? Enough's enough. Right. Well, so we have Spain, Sweden on Tuesday night, Oz time. We have. England Australia Wednesday night Oz time eight o'clock for us here it's going to be 11am for you guys in the UK um I mean tell your work that you're not coming in uh because obviously England's going to make it through so you're probably best sort of like saying to your boss you know I'm taking Wednesday Thursday off maybe even Friday depending on how your hangover sit um yeah it's going to be an absolute beast of a week and then we've got the final on Sunday and then it's all over um Yeah, it's been an absolute whirlwind trying to cover this thing because I think that's the thing about this tournament. It makes every expert, every women's football expert, look a complete fucking idiot. Because one thing you say (laughs) in one week is completely wrong the next game. So if anyone tells you they're an expert, just throw them back to the 2023 Women's World Cup. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Upfront. We'll be back on Wednesday following England's semi-final win in brackets, with Australia. Remember to subscribe in your podcast app and get in touch with your questions in the meantime on Twitter and Instagram. I am at mortgage underscore 89, Rach is at girls on the ball, and we are generally at upfront underscore pod. You can also find us on YouTube. We are at upfront pod. See you on Wednesday. Winning Wednesdays, winning Wednesdays.